Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every Langston Newsome. How are you doing, Langston? Doing good, doing good. What's new? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, we are coming to you January 7th. Uh, I know it's been three weeks without a podcast, so let us just run through everything very quickly before we get to the current news. Last time before we came to you, Missouri is supposed to be facing uh, was going to face Mississippi State. They did. They lost big. Uh, they were going to play in a bowl game against Iowa uh, that was canceled due to COVID. It was supposed to be the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Uh, Mizzou men's basketball had played a few games. I think they were four and zero when last time he came now there are seven and two one and two in the southeastern conference uh probably their worst loss the season no doubt the worst loss the season came uh on tuesday night actually against mississippi state in starkville very similar to the men's football men's football team to the football team it's a horrible horrible game we'll talk about uh, a little bit later the news du jour of the football side of things is defensive coordinator ryan walters is leaving for the same position at uh, Illinois leaving the staff and creating a major opening for Drinkwitz. Only two holdovers from Barry Odom now remain in David Gibbs and Brick Haley. And those are kind of up in the air depending on who Drinkwitz brings in as a, the defensive coordinator and whether he wants to change up the staff. Your thoughts, Langston? Shocked. Um, when I saw that uh, Ryan Walters was leaving, I assumed it would be for a head coaching position. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator on the rise. Just so to see him take a job at Illinois, which I feel is behind Missouri when it comes to cachet within college football, uh, to take the same position, you know, we don't have the financials for how much, you know, he'll be making um, for the finding an alumni, but I would just assume it has to be much, much better than the 900000 he's making a year here at Missouri, because other than that, I, I really don't understand why move especially for the same position. Right, right. And Walters has kind of been, for lack of a better word, flirting with leaving uh, ever since Odom left um, in February of 2020, or I guess January maybe of 2020, after Mike Leach was hired at Mississippi State. Keep bringing up Mississippi State. Uh, and there were some rumors coming out that he might have interviewed or uh, Mike Leach wanted him as the D.C. at Mississippi State. That didn't end up happening. Uh, it was He even acknowledged he interviewed for the head coaching job at Colorado before they hired Carl Durrell, uh, his alma mater, and now this Illinois job comes out of nowhere. He was seen as one of the final three candidates. And once his name appeared there, I was like, "If his, uh, this is either complete crap or he's the choice. Because you looked at the other two people and it was like a really good power five guy and somebody who's been out of football who uh, Brett Bielema, who's the new coach at Illinois, had previously worked with. So I'm like, this is either crap or I'm going to have to write a, you know, a defensive coordinator story of leaving within 48 hours. That's exactly what ended up happening. Um, my, my, my thoughts are kind of twofold. One, it absolutely has to be more money. And it has to be tangibly more money. Um, well, I guess it's threefold. And the first one is money. Uh, it has to be seven figures. There's no doubt. Bielema um, had to be like, name your price to come here. And he got, and he got, and he got his way and he got a good hire. My, my, my second thought is that Illinois being behind the eight ball for Missouri in terms of college football plays into Ryan Walter's hand a little bit. You get more money for less pressure on you. At the end of the day, Missouri, with how their defense is going in 2020, it's not an easy ask when you have an explosive offense like Drinkwitz, but yet Missouri's defense kind of played the way it did. Third, should there have been another season of that and Missouri did not meet expectations in 2021 when everything kind of might go back to normal with a vaccine and everything like that. Drinkwitz's is, is number one fall guy is likely to be Walters because he's not going to get rid of anybody on offense. Those are all his guys. 
I don't see him getting rid of Brick Haley. He's just too ingrained here. So it, it would have been Gibbs and Walters who probably took the hit. And you look at the position where probably Missouri had the most potential and fell short in 2020. There's a roster attrition for many, many reasons in Columbia, and you could take everything with a grain of salt during a pandemic season. But if you had to choose, I'd say corner or defensive back as a whole is a position that had the most potential but did not live up to their expectations in 2020. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, what you're saying there about being the fall guy now. I mean, I know that Coach Drinkowitz did retain uh, Coach Walters, but now and he gets really to get, hard to retain him too. But now he gets to really pick his guy, and uh, not saying that Coach Walters wasn't his guy. Obviously, he kept him, but now he gets to go out and interview and really be a part of getting his own type of um, coach in there uh, for the defensive coordinator, and not really you know having any ties to the past outside of Brick Haley, like you already mentioned. But I mean, when it comes to seven figures, I I, I hope he got a substantial, um, substantially more amount of money to leave uh, I mean, I'm, Missouri. I'm, I've never been to Champaign or lived in Champaign, but I can't imagine it being much compared to Columbia. Yeah, and 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 you talked about you know less less stakes. I, I guess you know coach uh, coach Walters will never come out and say this, but how do you go from interviewing for a coach uh, head coaching job a year ago to now accepting a defensive coordinator role? You know, at a much lesser program, in my opinion. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm dunking on Illinois and saying that there's there's some type of trash, but I mean Lovey Smith obviously you know underachieved there, and yeah, that that seems like a program that's just going nowhere. Um, so, like you said, it has to be money. So, I, I think that all plays into Walter's hands. If, if Illinois goes from nothing to something, something had to go right. And Bielema's not leaving, and Tony Peterson, who was actually on Mizzou's staff in 2019, uh, is their OC after going, I think, to Appalachian State to be their OC for a year after Dringwitz left. Um, you look at where the fingers are going to point at. Like, let's poke somebody from that staff. Walter's is that guy. And so... I think maybe this is a move to position himself for the next move after that. Um, I mean, if you look at Walter's career, he's just been, you know, I forget, the, you, know, you know, just hunt, being a hunter-gatherer, just go, just moving around and around. He's, he's an army kid in football, like that type of deal. Like, I think Missouri was his sixth school or sixth or, yeah, sixth school if you include his student graduate assistant, his sixth school that he's been at, and he only started coaching in 2010. So... Missouri is very much the the, the um, outlier here. Where he was here since 2015, every other stop he's had has been one or two years. So I expect Illinois to kind of be a, lo- a little bit along the lines of the same thing before he makes a move to be a group of five head coach or something like that. Um, but I did write a story, and I wanted you to get your thoughts on it. Langston, um, on the fired Vanderbilt head coach, but he it looks like he is going to Auburn. Uh, be their D.C. Marcus Freeman would have been a name on the list, the, the Cincinnati D.C., but it looks like he is going to be replacing Bo Bellini at LSU. So there's 10 instead of 12. Uh, anybody anybody on the list that you liked in particular, Langston, I can share some of the names while you're still pulling it up. I, uh, I mean, you, you got it up. Just Go. uh, just starting at the top, Will Muschamp, I think that's bringing in a veteran coach who's had two stops in it uh, as a head coach in the SEC at Florida and most recently at South Carolina. That brings, I don't want to say an adult in the room, not saying that, you know, Coach Rinkers is an adult, but that brings someone who has SEC experience in a boatload of it and to be able to assist uh, Coach Rinkers. And, you know, I know that's at the the top of your list there, but that's what really kind of came out to me. I know that you've already talked about Derek Mason taking the job at Auburn. I thought that was another great choice. You know, you want someone, and I hate to use the word reach, right? But that's what Will Muschamp would kind of be here as a defensive coordinator. But that that experience is valuable, especially with Coach Drinkowitz going into his second year. I think he needs someone um, who has that type of experience. You talk about you know several people in this list that you know uh, up and coming coaches. I I really want someone with more experience than pairing an up and coming coach with Coach Drinkowitz. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was a couple up and coming coaches on this list. I mean. Um... You mentioned Muschamp, and I think if Muschamp wants the job, it's his, and we only have to go past option number one mm-hmm. there. Whether he wants it or not, because he turned on the Texas DC job, who knows? Um, I think a very likely person, even though it wouldn't be my choice if I had the pick of the litter if I was Drinkwitz, but I think a likely choice is Kevin Steele, former Auburn DC, looking for a job, has been hot shotting around college football, has a connection to Gus Malzahn, even though I don't think um, he and Drinkwitz have necessarily ever worked together. There's a major connection with Malzahn between Drinkwitz and Kevin Steele. If there's an internal hire, it should be David Gibbs, the current defensive backs coach 
who replaced Walters for one game while he was in quarantine this season as the DC. Um, another choice could be Ted Roof, who was Vandy's DC, but was also Drinkwitz's DC at Appalachian State and worked with him at NC State. Um, I just don't know how exactly his style fits in with what they're doing. It, it just seems like Ted Roof wants to come in and, and kind of do his own thing and kind of tear up all the carpet and, and put down his own. I don't think Drinkwitz is looking for that guy necessarily. I, I, just, I just don't think he's a great defensive mind. It doesn't work for him right now in Columbia, but there's just too many connections and too much of a defensive pedigree for him to not be on the list. Um, two guys that I actually think would make great hires that I don't think many people will be looking at are both Marcel Yates and Tommy Thigpen. And if you haven't heard of them, that's okay. Uh, Tommy Thigpen's currently North Carolina's co-defensive coordinator. And after four years at Arizona's defensive coordinator, Tom, Marcel Yates uh, is Carolina's DB's, uh, sorry, uh, California's DB's coach. Both have worked with Drinkwitz in the past, both had success working with Drinkwitz in the past. Two guys that would be loyal to him, two guys that wouldn't have to break the bank, two guys that I think would be great recruiters and really would just be harmonious. It seems like uh, what Drinkwitz put his staff together is a little bit of getting the band back together, pulling guys from you worked with and just making it all happen. These two guys fit very much into that mold. Uh, rounding out the list here, um, did I miss anybody going down the list before I forget? Muschamp, Steele, David Gibbs, Ted Roof, Marcel Yates, Tommy Thigman. Okay, going down to the bottom of the list, you mentioned uh, some up-and-coming guys. Scott Simons, Liberty's defensive coordinator, just has a few uh, connections with uh, Drinkwitz. He, he was a defensive coordinator at Drinkwitz's alma mater, Arkansas Tech, worked with together at Arkansas State. He's just a guy on the rise, but is a very young guy. If Drinkwitz is looking to get a guy that could be the next prodigy, Scott Simons might be the pick. A reach of Phil Parker, uh, Iowa's defensive coordinator. That would purely be a money move, but he's been working with Kirk Ferentz at Iowa since 99. Thanks from Coastal Carolina. It's kind of the wild card pick. And then I have no idea how to pronounce your last name, Mr. Pete. Kiowatowski. K-W-I-A-T-K-O-W-S-K-I. Krzyzewski. No, it's Kiowatowski. Uh, I'm going to go with that. It's going to be Wyatowski. The K is silent. That's my guess. Uh, what's your guess as to his name, Langston? I, you know what? I was so happy you took care of that because I was looking down and I was like, okay, you got Chad Stads talking about the up and coming. And then I saw his name. I was like, I'm not even going to attempt. Uh, so it is. Uh, Wyatkowski. It is Coach Pete, Washington's defensive coordinator. That's that's what I'll refer to him as. Sure. <laughs> I think there's no better transition we have right now than just talking off of Ryan Walters uh, to get into our guest this for this week. Uh not someone we usually have on the show, but uh, I thought it'd be cool to get one of our gatehouse chef for, for no, we're not gatehouse anymore. Uh, now Gannett brethren in the studio, uh, Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield news leader covers Missouri state for them in their high schools. Just a fun chat about what, how another part of the state views Mizzou. Now that we're kind of in this transition part of the year. So here's my interview from earlier today with, with the news leaders, Wyatt Wheeler. Sports podcast this time is sports reporter for the Springfield News Leader Wyatt Wheeler. How you doing, Wyatt? I'm doing good. How's yourself? Good. I know we we're just talking off recording a little bit, but you know, obviously you're you're down there in the southern part of the state, uh, the USA Today Network, brethren down, I guess two like two and a half hours to the to the south of us here in Columbia. How are things in Springfield? I'm looking out the window right now. There's a little bit of snow, so that's been a little annoying, and uh, just trying to cover whatever I can. So. Uh, uh, women's basketball canceled for the weekend because of COVID. So uh, just trying to look around and seeing uh, the different things I can do now that my schedule's kind of opened up a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking out the window here in Columbia. I don't see a bit of snow. Hopefully you didn't just jinx us. We'll take. But um, just kind of let's start off. I know you, you cover Missouri State uh, down there. You, you cover some Mizzou commits down there. Just what, what's the sports scene just in general kind of like in uh, Springfield? Is it Missouri State? And then everything else, kind of very much like it is in Columbia of Mizzou, and then we'll see. Or how, how would you how would you describe it? I think Missouri State's got a great, uh, uh, good following. Um, a very loyal, not the biggest, but a very loyal and uh, louder just kind of uh, uh, fan base there. Um, you get you get passionate Lady Bears fans who are always at those games. Uh, Bears fans from all over the country are paying attention there. Um, so I, I, it's 
it, it, they do love their bears. Um, in high school, there's a lot of pride taken in the different high school programs down here. I have a lot of, uh, really a lot of great teams around here, uh, whether that be the Kickapoos uh, or a couple of your uh, Mizzou uh, signees play. Uh, we have a five-star kid who just committed to Georgetown a few weeks back. Um, and it's, and there's a lot of tournaments and stuff around here to have them competing against each other all the time. Uh, so just a great area for basketball. Uh, and, uh, just happy to, happy that it's a great basketball area, just dating back to, um, the Jackie Styles years and a Final Four run for the Lady Bears in the early 90s. So, uh, it's a very passionate basketball town. And then, uh, football may be coming up, maybe on the rise with Bobby Petrino taking over and everything. So, uh, it's a, it's a great it's a great sports area. Do I have it right? Because I've only spent a little bit of time in Springfield, but do I have it right that the Chinese food is really good in Springfield? Oh, the cashew chicken! Uh, it was invented here. Um, I'm not. I, I'm re- I'm very very picky. I'm a little kid when it comes to that stuff. Um, but cashew chicken was invented down here, so uh, uh, Springfield loves that. Okay, and I remember I spent a little bit of time at this pre-COVID sports bar, Ebbets Field, right by uh, yeah. QH. so I, I need to do a little bit more time down in Springfield. But just kind of bringing it back to the Mizzou part of things, just how do you think the state universities of the North is kind of viewed? Is it big brother, little brother, or how, how do you think kind of Missouri State, or, or more so how Mizzou is viewed down in, Spring, in the Springfield area? Well, if dating back to last year, I really got the taste of how fans thought of that. When it came to uh, when Missouri State and Mizzou were looking like they were going to play after uh, Coach Martin was saying some things uh, on some YouTube videos saying, hey, uh, it seems like we're going to actually get this game scheduled and everything. And fans were ecstatic in the Springfield. They, they were finally going to get to play Mizzou after, and I mean, it, it, since uh, the late 90s when Missouri State beat the, beat the Tigers. Uh, and they, they, so they've always felt that little bit of a rivalry. You kind of look up there. It, it does have the big brother, little brother feel. I mean, Mizzou's an SEC school, and Missouri State's a, a Missouri Valley school. So I don't, there's I, there's no reason Missouri State fans should think, oh, we're bigger than Mizzou. But you you want you want to see those games. You, those are games that can be competitive, uh, as they've kind of shown in the past. Now there's a gap between the football programs now, uh, of course. Uh, there has been, of course, um, uh, Missouri State trying to get a competitive team on the field for its level. But when you think of the basketballs, uh, you see the Lady Bears have beaten the, uh, beaten the Tigers the last two years, and the Lady Bears have kind of been the state's, um, the state's best uh, Division One team. And then you think of, and then the Bears, uh, whether it's Dana Ford with a good team trying to play against the Tigers. When the last time we've seen those two teams on the court, the Bears won. So it's been it's been a while since then, and I think fans are kind of hungry for that because I mean the last time that when the Bears beat the Tigers those years ago, they they went to the Sweet 16 in the same season. So that that's kind of a nice way to measure where Missouri State is, um, just from a rivalry standpoint. Um, and in baseball, I mean, it's always the most attended game of the year. And the Missouri State baseball team's been great with Keith Gutton as its coach for a long time. And Missouri State's been able to beat Mizzou uh, quite a bit in baseball in recent years and to have that success and go on to super regionals. Um, so it, it, it's it's something that I don't, I don't know if Missouri State fans see it too much as big brother, little brother, but I think it's something uh, they see as a rivalry. And they would like to have, uh, they would like to see a little more of, and especially uh, men's basketball is where fans would want to see it the most. Yeah, I'd agree there. I, I thought the game should have happened. It's not, it's unclear exactly how it kind of fell apart, but it, it, it seemed as Missouri opted for Liberty and Bradley as opposed to Missouri State. Maybe a little bit of money, maybe some connections, who knows? But it worked out, it seems like, for both schools at least a little bit. Um, staying on the basketball realm, obviously, uh, Missouri State has. Um, Isaiah Mosley and Javante Black were cornerstones of the 19 Rockbridge team who won a state title in Springfield and are now, I mean, I, I'd say almost indispensable to what the Bears team are doing. Uh, but also you mentioned in kick, uh, the, the two Kickaboo guys, Tre- Trevon Brazil and Anton Brookshire, um, Mizzou commits who are coming next season to Columbia. Just talk a little bit more about uh, the two of them. Yeah, Tre- uh, Trevon Brazil is uh... – 
he's a player who actually grew about like five, six inches over the summer. Um, and he's always been this guard playing at a different school here in town at Parkview. Um, just, he was a good basketball player, good shooter, good guard and everything. Um, but once he had that growth spurt and turned into this six, seven, uh, really athletic guard, uh, guy with guard skills, um, that's when, uh, that's when the college attention started coming. That's when Mizzou jumped all over him. Uh, he had other programs like Wisconsin trying to contact him as well. I believe he had Kansas, uh, contact right before he decided to commit to Mizzou. Um, so he's, he's a player. I think he has a really, really high ceiling. He's still trying to learn how to play with the body he has. Uh, he just has a whole bunch of different skills and, uh, very explosive. Uh, just seeing him dunk all over some uh, division, other Division One prospects down here in the area. Uh, he's a really exciting prospect. I think he's really going to explode. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to walk into Mizzou and be an impact player immediately. But I think he's a player that can. I don't. I don't know uh, too much of redshirting these days, just because it seems to be very. Uh, it's uncommon with the Missouri State stuff I cover and some of these COVID things that allowed them to have pushed them to play a little more uh, because of some of the rulings. But uh, uh, Trevin is a player. I think he's got a really, really high ceiling. He, he's uh, if he if he had a little more time uh, with this body instead of entering his senior year with it. He would have really taken off and uh, had had a lot more of those programs all over him from the start. Uh, so I think that's a really good get for Mizzou. And Anton Brookshire, he's a he's a kid I've gotten to know for four years now, um, and just been, being able to watch him grow up because he was always this Division One prospect, um, top, top one of the, the top player in the area. Uh, now he's he's been the second the last three years just because a five star kid moved in. But uh, he was he was starting point guard for a class five team as a freshman, and just being able to watch him improve, whether that be his shooting, whether that be his athleticism, uh, getting teammates involved, he, he's he's really really grown the last few years. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he's a really really good kid that I've gotten to know. Uh, good leadership qualities comes from a good family. And has been through a lot. I mean, he lost his mother. He had the. He grew up in Milwaukee, um, and then moved. And his his mom got sick, so he moved down here um, to live with his uncle. After his mom called his uncle and asked him to uh, come get him, uh, and then they moved down here. His his uncle was a former pl- uh, professional player overseas, uh, really good Missouri State player um, uh, when he played here in the early 2000s. Um, and he's got a really, really nice gym in North Nixa, uh, and that he was able to just be in the gym all day, every day. Um, and be, and it's a very nice complex. And uh, his mom passed actually during the uh, state playoffs last year when he was, uh, when they made a run to the semifinals before it was canceled due to COVID. And uh, he never missed a practice, never missed a day of school, never missed a game. And was the leader of a team that went for, that was able to go to the state semifinals and didn't really get to see what they could do because of COVID in the semifinals. But uh, just that leadership and how tough of a kid he is um, is something that makes you root for him. And I can't wait to see uh, his success up there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but of, of, of the Southern Missouri kids that are currently at in Columbia, I think the most prominent prominent one would probably have to be Haley Frank. Yeah, right. Haley Haley Frank is uh uh she's she can shouldn't she has an argument for the best player in the history of the state in women's basketball. Um just because of I mean a few years undefeated there, uh four state championships, a couple Gatorade player of the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's up there in all these numbers. I believe she might be number one in rebounding, uh, top 10 in scoring. Uh, but yeah, Haley Frank is, uh, she, she might be the greatest of all time, uh, in the history of the state and the women's basketball side. And now we're seeing, uh, we have, uh, Binu Muhammad. Uh, he's a five star kid at, at, uh, Greenwood Lab School down here. 
that's won a, that won a state championship his sophomore year. He's been he, this, he's in his third year here. He's a senior now, committed to Georgetown, and uh, he is. Uh, he had the he might have had the best two year stretch in the history of the state for a high school kid, um, so he he's he's quick, he's quickly climbing up those boards. But I, I mean Haley is definitely one of the greatest of all time. It comes to the high school ranks, and we're seeing something special right now with Aminu too. For, for some who someone who doesn't know, who would be some of the other Mizzou? I don't want to say greats, but players who have had an impact over the years who have been from the Springfield area and surrounding area. Oh man, I'm I'm younger down here, so uh that's uh that's not something I'm too uh too familiar with. Um just trying to think of a few. I, I the, the uh Oh man, I, you you put me on the spot here. <laughs> I can't I can't really think of any right now. I, yeah, yeah, that that was my question because I mean, I know there's a couple of football players who are from Republic, there's one from Nixa, uh Tristan Colon Castillo went to Web City. Um, just, just, I know, I know, I know there's not as many as you, as you would think was kind of my point is that, you know, do you think that what I was leading was, do you think that this could be an area where in terms of finding gems or diamonds in the rough, whatever you want to call it, drink what's to go to and really elevate where no one's looking? Yeah. Football, it's something that's getting better. I think I, I've, I've been down here. I just covered my fourth high school football season down here. I'm from central Illinois. Um, but uh, in my fourth year here, this was the best level of high school football I've ever seen um, from this area, um, and that's especially with a school like Nixa being a, that's a Class 6 school that was a lot better this year, um, very well coached, um, running RPO-type stuff, really talented running back, um, and they and – they, that's a, that's a school that I think is a little on the rise. Um, and, and then I'm, I don't really cover too much of the Joplin area, uh, but you are seeing a little – I mean, the Web City is always going to have a few good linemen, a running back. Uh, they, they seem to be just pumping out guys like that all the time, just whether uh, they end up at the FCS level or – uh, some of them are getting big enough to go to get a division to the FBS level. Uh, I believe there's a Deborah Weathers is a kid over there right now that's uh, signed on to play at Kansas State. Um, so there there is some possibilities. I, 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 the best teams with the best lines always win down here. So you look at like a Carthage as well. That's another really good program uh, that's had great offensive lines, some pretty ta- talented offensive uh, tackles and things like that. Uh, there have been a few Web City guys that have uh, uh, with really good offensive linemen. I believe I remember one just made his uh, debut in the NFL just a couple months back. So. Yeah, I mean, there are some really good programs down here. Football, uh, you look at the Web Cities, the Joplin area type kids. I think you look more to Springfield uh, for some of the basketball stuff. I mean, uh, you, you, you're going to see Coach Martin probably look into Kyle Polk here in the near future. Uh, that's a really talented sophomore, six seven shooter um, that I think is going to be on a lot of kids, people's radars. Uh, just a really talented kid, good kid that uh, is kind of going to skyrocket there. Um, Caden Stuckey is one of the better players, better sophomores in the state. He's a son of a, uh, a former Missouri State, uh, former Missouri State great. So uh, uh, there's a, there's some talent down here. I think basketball is definitely where my area, my immediate Springfield area, is definitely what it's most known for. But there is some good football around here. Gotcha, gotcha. When was the last time you actually were in Columbia, Wyatt? Oh, man. Um, I don't remember the last time. I, no idea. <laughs> Years ago. Because uh, okay. I, I didn't go to the Missouri State Mizzou game. We had another sports reporter cover that for the news leader. And then uh, I don't think I've ever been up there to cover sports. Okay. Well, never mind on that question. Next question. <laughs> I was like, we're just spot the E, but never, never mind. Next time you're up here, I'll take I'll take you out for a bite to eat. There we uh, go. So, Missouri Missouri fans traveling, I guess it would be the Little Rock next year for football if that game has moved to Fayetteville for Arkansas or something. Uh, wh- wh- where's the spot to go to eat and stop in uh, Springfield if, if you have one spot? Oh, Springfield, man! I'm uh, 
I'm really big on City Butcher. Um, that's a, a really good lunch spot. Um, they, they, that's the best barbecue in town. I'm never, I'm not going to go too far away from barbecue. Um, and then they're, they're start, they're expanding another barbecue place up from Branson in the Springfield here and over the spring, uh, called it, called Getting Basted. And it's, and that's the, I, I love a good meat platter, just a little sampler of everything. Um, that might be that's going to challenge City Butcher in my rankings. It's unbelievable. I, I'm not a big brisket guy all the time. Um, I usually like my pulled porks and my ribs, but uh, everything they do at Get Basted is great. So uh, one of the barbecue places, City Butcher or Get In Basted, is uh, definitely the two spots in Springfield. All right, that was Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield News Leader. Where can everybody everybody find you online, and where can they find your uh, your work? Yeah, I'm at the news-leader.com is where you can find my stories, and I'm at Wyatt Wheeler underscore NL on Twitter. All right, thank you so much, Wyatt, for joining us on this week's Disease Sports Podcast, and we'll check in with you soon. Hey, good talking to you. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. And thank you once again to Wyatt for joining us on this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Always great to have him on. Uh, before we go any further, though, Langston, we did talk about we give our predictions for who's Mizzou's defensive coordinator. Who is your final pick? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. You know, the heart, I would love to have Will Muschamp if I was a Missouri fan just because he has the experience, and I think it would really complement what, you know, Coach Drinkowitz is doing offensively here. He's being, you know, more innovative than uh, Coach Barry Odom and Coach Derek Dooley. And, you know, just bringing that experience, that quote-unquote adult in the room to that defensive staff. Now, do I think that will happen? Probably not, just because I can't really see Will Muschamp, you know, taking a D.C. job after being head coach at two better programs, in my opinion, at South Carolina. Carolina and at Florida um, so more realistically I think we're looking more at you know uh, the Vanderbilt defensive coordinator Ted Roof that's a, definitely a possibility and, and a hire that I think Missouri could make and make affordably moving forward so your choice your prediction is Ted Roof yes um, mine I my, my I think realistically mine is going to be Kevin Steele the Auburn DC although if I was Drinkwitz I might not go in that direction I think that just in terms of getting the guy that fits in with your culture the best as possible, if Muschamp says no, I put feelers out to Marcel Yates, Tommy Thigpen, and just see. I think I think I could go 55-45 Marcel Yates over Tommy Thigpen. Um, I, I just don't think Ted Roof is that guy. I mean, I, 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 he's a good defensive mind. What he does usually is he goes into programs, just tears up the carpet. I just don't think that's what Drinkwitz is looking for right now. Um, and I, I and I, I think that just kind of we talked about you know he he gets the band back together, those guys fit in with that. That's more of the staff around him. I think those guys would both fit in well. Um, not that Kevin Steele wouldn't, but I don't know. I I, I just see kind of Drinkwitz marching to the beat of his own drum and doing, go not making the splash, but you don't need to make a, a splashy big hire for a DC. You kind of do with the head coach nowadays, but not necessarily with a defensive coordinator. So I think when it's all said and done, if it's not Steele, Thigpen, or Yates, I'd be, or Muschamp. If it's one of those four, I'd be incredibly happy about him as a if, if Muschamp says yes, I think you don't even need to really interview anyone else. If he's just interested, there you go. That's the person that you want to have here. And here's the thing. Drinkwitz is now known for at least 48 hours that Walters is leaving. I think that it's not Muschamp. I hate to say it because we already have not hired him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think there's something to be said. Like, if Drinkwood is of that mindset, and I think he would be, um, if Muschamp's like, yeah, I'm coming, or even has any sort of interest in the, interest in the job, Drinkwood's is not talking to anybody else right now. That's That would be my thought. 
Uh, before we go any further, and I, and I forgot to do, full, full disclosure, I forgot to do the podcast tags, the local ones, so let me get those out of the way right now. Follow Mizzou Football with the Tribune's Tiger Extra newsletter. Sign up at columbiatribune.com slash Tiger Extra for stories, galleries, and podcasts in your inbox every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop at your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And the Columbia location of Zaxby's is... 104 Cinnamon Hill Lane. That is correct. At the cross-section of North 63 and Stadium Boulevard. You were there yesterday, Langston. How, how was it? You know, had the hot honey mustard wings. You don't... It can't be basketball. No, I, I, I agree with that. The Wizards... Badly Beal scored 60, and they still lost. That's how my team's done. Marco Fultz tore his ACL. So, you know, us Magic fans, there was not a lot of hope before the season, and now even less. Speaking of basketball, good transition. Um, Missouri men's basketball is now 7-2. and two. Uh, Last time we come, came to you, uh, it was right, I think, before the or the the day of the Bradley game. What, like right Or right around, maybe they were 5-0. and oh. I said 4-0 and oh, I guess maybe they were 5-0 and oh right before. Um, actually, actually, I think they actually were 6-0. Uh, uh, because it was after bragging rights, and they went six and or six and after bragging rights. So they were they were they're still undefeated. They've lost twice since. More most recently um, was the game against Mississippi State, where they looked awful. Just kind of where are your thoughts about where the program is right now, Langston, with uh, the basketball team? Yeah, we talked a little bit about this, you know, off air, but the type of mistakes that we saw Missouri make in the second half against Mississippi State, it just it seemed like the problems that have plagued this program, you know, the last two, three years under Coach Conzo uh, Martin, you know, just it not have no ability to really make shots. I believe they were outscored 51 to 24 there in the second half. And, you know, a veteran team like this, you, you just think they'll be able to put it together by now, and, and you just haven't seen that consistently. Now, I don't think these type of struggles will continue throughout SEC play. The SEC is not a very strong conference, and a team that is going to win the SEC or that's going to be near the top of the SEC standings, you know, before the conference tournament is going to be a flawed team. I think everyone in the SEC really just needs to understand that there is no great national championship, you know, caliber team in this conference as of now. Yeah, the one undefeated team left in the conference is Alabama, and I think they have some pretty big red flags. I mean, they're great on offense, but they're not that great on defense. A team who can stop them defensively like a Tennessee, and Missouri probably could too, um, is is going to be able to slow them down. Uh, I mean, where we are with the league right now is Kentucky needed, you know, to stop a three-pointer from Vanderbilt to win at home against them right now. You look, you, you tell me, you know, even last March today, hey Langston, you know, next year Vanderbilt might beat. Uh, Kentucky at Rupp Arena. What would you say? I would say that uh, Coach Cal is going to bench all the starters and yell at them, pull the pull the pull the Coach K, you know, take the Kentucky off the jersey, and it would be unacceptable and and un unthinkable. And yet, I mean, Kentucky is going to struggle throughout the SEC this year. Yeah, I just still think they're an NCAA tournament team. I think they'll find a way. There's, but I mean, there's there's really two undefeated teams left in the SEC. I, I said one earlier, but I think Kentucky's still two and L. They need a double overtime against Mississippi State to win, but then they needed a last second chance against uh, Vanderbilt to go wrong. And so, just o- overall, this conference is just not that strong. You, know, you you look at what Missouri's doing, and even with their loss, this is still an NCAA tournament team. This is still should be an outlier to what their season is. If we're still talking about next week how their problems have happened. This is a microcosm of something way bigger. If they can't figure out what went wrong on Tuesday night, you know, it, it, it's almost unexplainable what happened. We talked. We talked to Conzo Martin in the pregame or in the postgame press conference, and you can tell when Conzo's kind of being preachy and when he's not. You can tell it was a genuine moment from him when he's just like, "I looked at my staff and said, what happened?" You know, just it, it really came out of nowhere. You know, just if you had told me that. The team, it was an experienced Division One team, like a D3 team, you know, went into this on jerseys and and they just switched locker rooms at halftime. I, I wouldn't have questioned it. Missouri played one of their best halves of the year, maybe their best half of the year in the first half, and no doubt their worst since Charleston Southern last year in the second half. Yeah, definitely. And, and you and I talked about this, you know, in life there's a lot of extremes, but most of life and most of, you know, uh, the play for Missouri basketball is going to be somewhere in the middle. I don't think this Missouri team is as good as they, they played against Illinois or as good as they played in the first half against Mississippi State, but I definitely know they're not as bad as they played in the second half and, and that loss to Mississippi State. They're somewhere in the middle and that middle is going to be a NCAA tournament team. Now, how far they go after that, 
you know, it, it's still really up in the air. It's still trying to see how many lapses they're going to have like that because it will continue to happen. And it might not be an entire half. It might be a five-minute stretch. But this is going to happen throughout the rest of SEC play. It's just minimizing how long these last lapses, you know, happen or how long they last. While Missouri might have gotten rid of most of their goodwill they've built up over the season with the fan base as of right now based on what happened Tuesday night, in terms of the world of college basketball, they still have a ton built up. They're still tied for first with Gonzaga and Houston in terms of quad one wins. No one else has more than them. They still have a true road win. They have two top 25 wins. Um, I mean, Arkansas just beat Tennessee at home, and Missouri outclassed Arkansas and didn't play that well on last Saturday. Um, so this is uh, Missouri is so far on the right side of the bubble. They have, for lack of a better word, the cushion for these types of losses that they still want to be in the NCAA tournament. Now, can an opposing team pick apart what they saw on Tuesday night and make it better? Yeah, I don't, I don't expect Missouri to even probably even make the Sweet 16 this year at, at this one, but I do think, do think they are solidly a tournament team still as of this moment. I do think Tuesday is an outlier. If it's not, and we see them just absolutely just collapse against LSU on Saturday, oy, we might we might be in for a long, long winter, I would think. Yeah, and I, I know a few weeks ago there was a lot of hoopla around uh, a certain beat writer not putting um, – Missouri in the top 25 but you know if you continue to have these type of struggles I mean I'm not saying he was right uh, but you can see Missouri continue to kind of drop in the, in the AP poll but I think that was just hilarious that the whole uh, discourse will say surrounding him leaving off Missouri out of the top 25 I don't want to trash my fellow beat writers out there you leaving Missouri off your belt drunk and I will, and I can go further in depth. I don't even want to give this guy the time of day, especially because he works for a paper that is a great paper in this country. And um, I have friends who are coworkers of his. Um, I'm not even going to mention what team he covers to the west of us, um, or anything like that. But just to leave off Missouri with their resume as they had it the past two weeks, you can make an argument you could leave them off now, uh, seven and two. But the past two, after the Illinois win until this past week, you could not make an argument, and he tried to. And I guess it made some sense, maybe. No, no sense at all, Langston. None. Okay, no, got, got it. <laughs> I'm trying. I was trying to be nice, and Langston's just like, nope, nope, did not make any sense. All right. Well, we're done talking about basketball. Hopefully, um, for my sake, because I want to cover an NCAA tournament, even even though it would be one that was weird. It's on my bucket list of things to cover as a reporter is the NCAA tournament. So hopefully, uh, that ends up happening. Because for the second straight year, I didn't get to cover a bowl game. And that's on my bucket list, too. I think I've covered the only two seasons in Missouri football history where they were good enough to make a bowl but did not play in one for whatever reason. I can't think of another season that would happen besides last year, or I guess two years ago now, and last year. Obviously, two years ago was due to the NCAA sanctions last year. And then last year, technically now, even though it was only a week ago, was COVID. Uh, Let's stay on football. End with this, Langston. Um, All right. I wrote an article earlier this week. I want to get your take on it. Um, letter grades for each of Missouri's units and their head coach. Uh, first off, you could tell me what we'll play card sharks. Go higher or lower or right on. Um, I gave Eli Drinkwitz a B plus, higher or lower. I uh, I would say lower. Um, it was definitely a success. Um, but when you know when you go five and five, ultimately a B plus is a little high in my opinion. But he definitely showed that he can bring this. He can elevate this program out of. And, you know, it seems like every podcast I'm bringing up Barry Odom. Um, but, you know, there was a, a level of, you know, just staying in place and, and, and kind of trudging along in the midst of mediocrity under Odom. And it is clear that Drinkwitz is, has the ability um, in a year with COVID-19, so many cancellations, injuries and things like that, that he can bring uh, this program above that. Yeah. Uh, so. What I said in a radio appearance earlier this week, I think it's true, is that if I had to give Missouri football a grade in 2020, it'd be incomplete. You can take everything with a grain of salt in 2020. Um, but if I had to grade him, you can't give a guy who did not end up with a one in record or an A. The highest letter grade besides that is B+. And I went there, because if you look at the grand scope of what college football could be for Eli Drinkwitz, I think he took those little opportunities here and there and just leveraged them so huge. The attitude around the program, the gains in recruiting especially in the st louis area i just think there are so many intangible things that went right this year that offset any other loss to mississippi state or needing a last second kick to beat arkansas type of deal that 
you know, works for this team. I think works in Drinkwitz is just in his realm's favor. So I got to go right off that A line at a B plus. Yeah, and you know, looking back at the season, I think, uh, you know, there is recency bias. You know, the loss to Mississippi State was definitely a bad one, and looking back earlier in the year, the loss to Tennessee, you know, in hindsight, looks awful with the way that Tennessee finished the year and really kind of unraveled. But you know, as a whole, like I said earlier, definitely a success and moving a move in the right direction for this program. All right, Missouri's defense, I gave a C. And I'm going to say right on or maybe just a little bit under, you know, defensively. We talked about it when it happened against Arkansas or against Georgia. Now Georgia, I feel, did that against a lot of teams with over – I believe it was over 300 yards rushing against Missouri in that that Georgia game. or either clo- either above 300 or really they had over 600 to- yards of total yeah. offense yeah. it's possible yeah and I, it was long ago but just what's kind of burned into my mind is that arkansas game and it seemed like the same play over and over just gashing this missouri defense and i understand like we said it's 2020 they were dealing with injuries dealing with you know close contacts and players not being available but defensively it, it was just a mess um, at certain points when it comes to specifically the running game. And, you know, when you look at scores like the 10 points given up to Kentucky or shutting out Vanderbilt, I, I really can't really hold that too high in my mind. Vanderbilt really didn't – they didn't have a collection of SEC players offensively in that game. They couldn't even get into field goal range to get Sarah Fuller to get a field goal in that game. Right, right. And uh, honestly, from a media standpoint, that's all we were really rooting for. You know, get, <laughs> can, they, can they get a chance yeah. you know, just to you know, put her out there and, and see what she do and see her make history? I was you know thrilled to see her do the kickoff, and I, I wanted to see her get the attempt at a field goal. Vanderbilt couldn't even get there. And Kentucky, they really didn't even have a, a, a true quarterback. And to really have you know a running and passing game in that game, so kind of throw out those two scores. Think of the 25 points given up to Tennessee, and the 50 points given up to Mississippi State. The numbers aren't. I hate terrible. to make it even worse, but it was, it was 35 against Tennessee, not even 25. <sighs> there you go. The numbers as a whole, when you look at it, aren't terrible. But there's too many moments in the season where I'm like, the defense just underperformed. Yeah, I, I, I just think you look at their best. You get maze for some games. There's some games you cannot judge because no one slowed down Alabama. No one slowed down Georgia, really. No one slowed down Florida. And then there were a few Fs. So you go, well, A's and Fs about the same amount. C. I probably should have gone C minus. I think a D, any in the D range is just too low. At the end of the day, this D range had way too much potential to be called a D in anything. C, maybe a strong C minus, but I thought C right in the middle was exactly where we needed to put this team. All right, offense, I gave a B minus. You've got a cornerstone in Connor Bazelak. Um, Larry Roundtree looked great this year. I'm excited to see what Tyler Barry, Beatty can do with more touches next year. Um, you got a, an influx of new wide receivers with recruits coming in next year. Everything's trending in the right direction when you look at Missouri's offense. The only you know pause for concern, and, and Drinkwitz brought this up against Georgia, just not really able to control the line of scrimmage offensively or defensively against elite teams like a Florida, like a Georgia in the SEC. So higher or lower? You had it at a... B minus. I think it's right in, the, okay. right in the incorrect position. I can't give it a C because they just moved forward in, in so many different ways this year. And very quickly, special teams, I gave a B. Reason being, you had three players who get deserved A's, in my opinion, Grant McKinnis, Harrison Mevis, and Sean Ketting. The punt returning was an F, absolutely, but then you have the just the, I guess, uh, the kick returns, which were a C. So you have three A's, an F, and a C, I gave B. Yeah, spot on with that. An A++ for Harrison Mevis. And uh, the punt returns, that has to be an area of emphasis in the offseason. All right, and we uh, I know I prepped you with this a little while ago, but one final bonus question. Who's the one recruit from the 2021 class? And now we have to talk about Mookie Cooper because uh, he signed on from Ohio State, the top 100 program player from St. Louis uh, in the 2020 class, top 100 in the, in the 2020 class. Uh, excuse me. Um Spent a year at Ohio State, entered the transfer portal, now is coming to Missouri with four years of eligibility left. Um, you can include him, but who is the one player in the 2021 class you think can make the biggest impact right away at Mizzou? Mookie Cooper is definitely enticing, but I'm going to go with Trajan Ford just because of, I think, what he means in the grand scale of recruiting 
in Missouri. You have a top, you know, a top recruit in the St. Louis area decide to stay in state and go to Missouri. I think that plays a huge role, and I think he could be the next in line for the D-line Mizzou moniker that they have here in Columbia. And I think it, the the better he plays, the more likely other kids in the St. Louis area look at Missouri as a viable option and want to stay in state. Yeah, um, I think Travian's good. Um, my pick, same, I guess, same area, but different different kid. I'm going to go Dominic Lovett. Um, just when you can address two needs for Missouri with one kid, I think that that's just a gold mine. And, and I think Drigwood's reaction when he flipped from Arizona State to Missouri says how much this this guy means to a Missouri. Uh, he's going to be, I think he can be that Deshaun Jackson slot receiver. And I think he's the starting punt returner from day one when he comes to this you know, school. I, I think that obviously he's not a Dante Hall, Devin Hester type guy, but he can be, but he's a guy like a Rashad Floyd, Jonathan Johnson that can come in right away and make an impact and make a play or two when needed from the punt return spot. That was not, never happened this entire season. And it's been, and fumbles have been a problem for them my entire time on the beat. So some consistency back there, I think matters. I think Dominic love it. I think when you can, can knock out Chippers one stone with one recruit, that's that's too valuable for me to, to turn the other way. Um, but anyway, good episode, nice and long episode. Anything else you want to leave us with before we are done this week? Yeah, you know, just uh, hope everyone had a happy holidays, enjoyed the new year, and, you know, with everything and the events of the last 24 hours, 48 hours, you know, just it's okay to take a second uh, to talk to someone, to reflect. If you have anxiety with what has happened, just to take a step back, understand it's okay to have these feelings and really address that, whether that's talking to someone, whether that's taking time for yourself, whether that's journaling, you know, take time to take care of yourself in the midst of everything that's been going on in the last 24 hours. Sounds good to me. Well, for Langston Lucian, I'm Eric Blum. Thanks for listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast, and we will see you next time. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.